Well, I just want to thank, first of all, our players who I thought raised the bar with their professionalism this year. Those guys were outstanding, high, high character, hardworking, committed, consistent. All the things that we want to make sure that we continue and establish here, those guys embodied. Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe end of season edition. That's right, the Thunder has wrapped up its 2020-2021 season on a high note with a win over the Clippers. We'll break down that game, plus we'll bring you the highlights from the team's end of season interviews and look ahead to what's coming up this off season. Let's get right to it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. I've learned that I can use my size pretty good on defense. Just got to get stronger and being able to take those punches from the stronger players and get faster so I can defend guards. Um, and I think I can be a great defensive player, so just got to gotta work on it pretty good. That was Thunder rookie Alexei Pokashevsky talking about his growth on the defensive end, talking about using his length. And speaking of Poku Gallo, he was a very big factor in the Thunder's win against the Clippers, closing out this very demanding, taxing 72-game season on a high note. They really sprinted through the finish line, Paris, which is what the Thunder's talked about all season long. It had been a slog. It had been very difficult in the final weeks of the season, but to see guys step up to the plate, log very heavy minutes. Alex Pokashevsky has 41 minutes played in that final game, goes for 29 points and 10 of 19 shooting, made six threes. This was a great example of these guys putting in the work all year long and having it culminate in a rewarding experience at the end of the season. And I love Poku's quote after this game. He said, sprinting to the finish line isn't just end of the season. It's every single day. This is something that they talk about regularly with this group. That could be finishing a game strong, you know, sprinting through the fourth quarter, or even just finishing a practice with some really high energy. That's a mantra that they have been cultivating for this entire season. And that it really just boils down to valuing every single minute that you have on the floor. Because as we saw in that Clippers game, Poku spent a lot of time at the point guard spot, which is a very, very valuable opportunity for him at seven feet tall and 19 years old. When Mark Dagnold and the Thunder have talked about exploring the roster, this was the exact kind of situation that they're talking about. Hey, we're going to take this game and we're going to basically use this like a, like a bottle episode of a TV show. And we're going to put the ball in Poku's hands and we're going to have him play point guard for the entire episode, for the entire game, and see what that looks like. See how it turns out. We're going to get Josh Hall 43 minutes and we're going to, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to put the ball in his hands. We're going to find out what this guy has. And, and so when you look at Poku being so efficient on the offensive end and still trying to get the Thunder into offensive possessions, work the shot clock, work the movement on the floor, that was really encouraging to see Paris and you know, we talked to him on exit interview today as well, just about the other end of the floor too, about defense and how he's been able to impact the game on that, that side of the ball as well. At seven feet tall, using your length on the defensive end is, can be so valuable for Poku. And it's really great that he's starting to learn that and how to implement that more into his game. Where we have seen this already in action, Gallo, is his fellow seven-foot teammate Moses Brown just doing Moses things out there against the Clippers. He swatted away seven blocks in that game. The team as a whole swatted away a whole team-high 12 blocks. But again, using that length on the defensive end and just maximizing it, 
to his best ability. It was kind of ironic that the only other Thunder player in history with seven or more blocks in a game was across the court from him that night in Serge Ibaka. And so for a second-year guy like Moses to be putting up 24-18 and 18 in 38 minutes plus the seven blocks, plus three assists, uh, mind you, that was just uh, another really solid, strong performance. We've seen Moses this year have some of these lighted up performances where the numbers just blow you away on the box score. He's had some games with inconsistency as well. And so if you want some positive reinforcement for a guy like him heading into the summer, heading into next season, this is a great way to finish off your year with a really nice, strong, solid performance. And he was a part of that entire offensive effort for the Thunder, 78 points in the paint. That's an OKC record. And so, like you mentioned, just going into the offseason with that sort of kind of milestone, essentially, knowing what you can do, look back on something pretty recent that you can see what you're capable of doing on the offensive end is really good for this group. And who else this will really be good for is Josh Hall. You mentioned it right off the top, Gallo. He was a part of those three Thunder players that finished with 20 or more points. And where this is so valuable for Josh is he had a very, very rough go this season, just in terms of coming in as a rookie. He forwent his college experience. And so really this time on the floor that he was going to get with the Thunder was going to be so valuable and so crucial for him as a two-way player, encountered a lot of injuries and didn't really get a chance to get kind of any sort of momentum going in terms of growth and development in his game. Like you said, he played 43 minutes in that game and really made the most of it, I think. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine what this year was like for Josh he comes from small town Durham, North Carolina, same town as, as me. And Shout out. he goes he goes straight to the NBA from a prep school in high school and comes into a situation where he's got knee injuries pretty much the whole year that kind of keep him bogged down. He couldn't play in the G League bubble despite traveling down to Orlando with the Oklahoma City Blue. Mm-hmm. Was kind of getting um, you know these little spurts of minutes, and then had was out with knee soreness. And then finally, at the end of the year, really came back and and had a nice stretch of games where he had twenty or more minutes all in a row. And then the big time performance where they kind of just let it all out on the floor in that final game against the Clippers. So uh, I just have loved the way that he's responded to everything. Paris, he had kind of an illuminating conversation with us a while back uh, about just using all of the resources within the Thunder organization to help him stay ready mentally, emotionally, physically, all of the different ways. And he, he kept the faith and that's what allowed him to have a 25 and 10 game in the final game of the season. All of those culminating factors would really make it easy for Josh to just have a negative attitude, essentially, or just like not want to, I don't know, just not be in it fully. And yet he had such a positive attitude. When we talked to Coach Dagnold about him, one thing he always brings up is just his optimism as a player. And like you mentioned, using all the resources at the ION, his teammates, you know, encouraging him and hyping him up just really helped him to stay positive throughout all of that. And as somebody who's gone through a lot of injuries in her career, that's the most important thing that you hurdle that you have to climb over is the mental side of the game. So knowing that he's overcome those injuries, remained positive enough to step into a game where he's going to play 43 points at the very end of the season and still make the most of it, I think says a lot about Josh. Coming to OKC, uh, it was just like, it was, I'm grateful for it. And it helped me a lot as a, as a man and as a player, just uh, even this year, you know, my family watching from home. Um, I don't know, just, I just feel like uh, 
the organization's values and, and the fans here and everything, um, it just aligns with with what I feel. So it made it, you know, just really uh, gratifying to come in every day and go to work and just, you know, have that, even this season, have that to do when so many people were um, struggling, you know, with COVID and, and all that, just even the opportunity to play basketball, you know, just meant a lot to me. So, um, you know, whatever happens this off season, like I said, I'd love to be back, but I'll always be a, a Thunder fan and always rooting for the Thunder. That was the sound from Mike Mascala during his end of season interview. And Gallo, we're recording this on Tuesday, May 18th, which means yesterday we were on a Zoom call all day long talking to these guys and just really getting getting to hear from them before they head off for the offseason. And this powerful message from Mike really kind of exemplifies the mood of the entire team after this season. Yeah, and just for a little bit of context, you know, these end of season interviews, they're a, a tradition every year, the day after the season ends. And it's usually kind of this marathon. We're in years past, we would have been up at the Thunder Ion as each player came in and spoke to the media, kind of debriefed about the season that was, look ahead at the the upcoming year. This was different because it was all over Zoom. Paris, you and I were kind of just hanging out on Zoom all day, waiting for the next guy to to pop in. And um, so we missed a little bit of that human interaction and human connection. But as you heard in that quote, Mike Muscala gave that to us through the through our laptop screens. And that's been uh, something really special that we've gotten from Mike. And a lot of these players all year long is just the, the true connection that they've had with one another, the connection they've had with the organization. And I, I think that from the very outset, Paris, if you remember, what was the word that was used on day one of training camp? Gratitude. Right. And we're continuing to hear that. I mean, just the consistency of that approach, the follow through in a season that they went 22 and 50, uh, I think really speaks volumes about the players, the, the guys that they came in with an understanding of what was really important to get done this season, which was being really gra- grateful, being really connected and investing in player development and not being worried about the outcomes and not tying your experience this year to what it said on the scoreboard instead tying it to the things that you could control each day which was your relationships with one another and your relationship with your own mentality of how you were going to approach this and one of the my favorite things that I got to see this season was how these guys did come together. And we heard from Shay about, you know, one of the things that he's most proud of from this group was how much fun that this group did have. They really leaned into that gratitude of just being able to be on the floor, play basketball, the sport that they love while, you know, in the middle of of a pandemic and where, you know, it, this, it takes a lot for this to happen. And so they all came together and we saw some really cool relationships pop up. Even the, the 10-day players that came into the organization, that was they were still, you know, obviously just completely embraced by this group. And so that was definitely one of the coolest things that I got to see just from this group in terms of, uh, from a character standpoint. Yeah, and end of season interviews are always a great opportunity for kind of that very fast zoom out after everybody's so focused on the day-to-day grind of the season the next game following this game, especially this year when the games have been so condensed. And so I think yesterday when we zoomed out a little bit, Paris, I think it was a reminder of how far things have come and how much has changed since this season was beginning back in December. And 
it was a good reminder of just how much this team has had to go through every single day, just like all the other 29 teams in the league with testing and not really being allowed to practice or have shoot arounds because of COVID worries and, you know, kind of constantly having to monitor themselves and be connected in terms of, you know, contact tracing and wondering about all of those types of things. And, and now as, as our society is kind of um, getting more and more opened up, I think it was a nice reminder of, kind of how in the trenches all of these players had to be with one another from the very outset when they were going on road trips and basically locked down in their hotel rooms for the entire time. And um, just a good reminder of the resilience of the group. And when you go through that together, it only makes you stronger. You talk about, you know, having tests every single day. And when we started this, you know, guys really had to rely on one another. You really had to rely on the guy next to you because you never knew with this season if somebody was going to be out for a game or, you know, not be able to travel. And so you had to be able to rely on the rest of your roster knowing that, you know, you might need to step up today. I got to be able to rely on you or, you know, everybody really had to work together. And so when you go through a tough season like this where you're playing essentially every other day, there were so many back-to-backs, long stretches on the road. It really just brought this group close together. And that was really cool to see. Always continue to get stronger, try to get more athletic faster, conditioning-wise. Um, really just work on my body. And then it's, in terms of skills, just getting better the same way I did. Um, you can always improve. I don't shoot 100% from the field. I don't shoot 100% from the free throw line. And I certainly don't shoot 100% from three. So I got a lot of improvement I need to do. Um, and I continue to do so. While we also get to zoom out a little bit and see the big picture kind of mindset of the group, we also get to kind of zoom in, Gallo, and talk to these guys about what aspects of their game that they're going to be focused on, that they were most proud of improving during the season. And you just heard from Shea Gildas-Alexander. I mean, when it comes to growth and development and improving, Coach Dagnalt told us that there is no one more committed than Shea Gildas-Alexander and Exhibit A. Yeah, well, I mean, that quote is just an all-timer of, you know, I didn't shoot 100% this season, so uh, I I guess I better get back to work. Well, yeah, I mean, no lies detected, but um, (laughs) nice nice bar that you're setting there, Shay. Um, That's that's really impressive stuff for a guy as young as him for the season that he just had that – even blew away some expectations that he might've had for himself and others might've, might've had, um, you know, with everything thrust onto his shoulders, the way that it was really impressive um, mindset for him to be heading into the off season with. So, uh, and, and we saw that from, from just about everybody, Paris. I mean, these guys, they're still hungry. And, and I think if they could, they would, they would have played again today. 100%. There's no question about that. These are competitive guys. These are guys who have experienced what growth and improvement looks like from season to season and are after it again. Once you get a taste of it, you got you to keep going. You're insatiable with it. So again, like Shay, Darius had the exact same mindset. He experienced a lot of new things this season, just in terms of what he was exposed to on the defensive end. He guarded point guards. He guarded fives. Like he was all over the floor. And so he got to see some areas where he could improve. And that's really, really encouraging knowing that over this offseason, he keeps working on it. Now he comes in next season and he just feels comfortable guarding anybody. Yeah. And also doing it in these crunch time moments, Paris. I remember something that we talked to him about earlier in the season and then kind of circled back to on exit interview day is, 
you know, being thrust in those situations where you have to execute in a late game situation mm-hmm. and how in, in, it was almost like a, a giddiness that, that Darius had of like, yeah, okay, so coach is going to drop the play and then we're going to go do it. Or, you know, hey, coach is going to tell us what to expect and then we can go and execute off that. And like, especially for a guy who didn't play college as well, these are the first moments that he's really having at this level uh, of intensity that he's got to go out there and do those things. And watching that come to fruition, feeling that reward of, of seeing those plays come through. So uh, I just thought that love of the game uh, was really cool and, and shined through. I remember that moment exactly. It was, I, ooh, I can't remember what game it was, but I Phoenix remember the game. moment. Yeah, it, it was, was the Phoenix game Phoenix where they game. Force, a, force a steal late. That's right. And Darius told us after the game, he's like, coach actually we we practiced this i remember (laughs) we actually practiced this and it actually happened it was so cool to see all of that come to fruition i think that also speaks to i mean we've talked all season long gal about how valuable the opportunity these guys have on the floor is because no amount of practice or game footage can prepare you for executing in crunch time with the game on the line and you know adrenaline coursing through your veins i mean that that's only something that you can experience on the floor Yeah. And that's another, I mean, just coming back to sort of the idea of exploring the roster, there's no way to find out if any of these guys have what it takes. There's no way to to know what you have in any of these players, unless they get those chances to do those things in those crunch time moments. And so to see as much of Isaiah Roby as we saw this year, to have Teo Maladone, a rookie second round pick lead the team in minutes played this year. I mean, you can't think of any other season where that might happen and those opportunities might be given to some of these guys and so when you when you look back and and the the coaching staff looks back they're going to have all the questions answered hopefully um for what they have in these guys and they'll be able to head into the summer with an understanding of okay here's the strengths here's the deficiencies here's the plan to get better One other topic that was discussed during interviews was plans for the offseason. Uh, for a couple of players like the rookies, Teo Poku, Gabrielle Deck, this will be their first NBA offseason. And part of that will also be potentially for some of these guys participating with their national teams during the Olympics. Right. And we've seen over the course of time in Oklahoma City how valuable those experiences can be. We've seen how for Gabby Deck, that's really helped uh, put him to the forefront, helped him just feel so much pride in representing his country on the international stage. So still don't know uh, officially on a few of these guys, Shay, uh, Poku, Teo, in terms of their participation with their national teams, respectively. Uh, but we did we did hear that Gabby Deck and Lou Dort are planning on playing. And those training camps are probably starting in the next month, month and a half. So definitely be on the lookout for that uh, with the Olympics starting later on this summer, late July, early August. So we'll, uh, we'll have you covered at OKCThunder.com on all of those developments as well. A couple other you know small things just to, to keep you aware of in terms of what's coming up in the future. Next week, May 25th, we've learned through uh, reporting, national reporting, that uh, May 25th will be the coin flip between Oklahoma City Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers for the fourth best lottery odds in this upcoming draft. 
the draft lottery will not be until June 22nd. So basically a month in between that coin flip and when the actual lottery is. So uh, just something to keep on your radar. The, the draft combine is June 21st through June 27th, kind of right when that draft lottery is happening as well. So some things to keep on your radar because with the Thunder season done, we may have a little bit less news for you, but there will be a few things popping up here and there. And Paris, we're going to have uh, something really big to cover locally here in Oklahoma uh, over the next week and a half. Yep, just in your immediate future, the centennial of the Tulsa Race Massacre is rapidly approaching. That will be on May 31st, and we will have a lot of content coming from that. Some really, really exciting things that Nick and I have been a part of. So be on the lookout for that on OKCThunder.com as well. A lot of stuff coming down the pipeline this offseason. So for those of you who thought that, you know, me and Nick just went out to a beach somewhere, just, you know, hanging out during the offseason, not the case. We're bringing you everything that you need to know. Got a lot of dates circled during this summer. So be on the lookout and stay with us all offseason long. We've got you covered. No, no tiny umbrellas in, in uh, fruity drinks quite yet, Paris. Not quite. I'll, I'll, <laughs> somehow I'll find a palm tree to look at. It'll be there great. <laughs> That is all for today's end of season edition podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later. <laughs>